0: Hello and welcome to the IMS Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Bloomberg. Today we're speaking with IMS elite expert, Sam Rogers, about the challenges of corporate training, litigation, and desirable outcomes. Sam Rogers is a social media industry and instructional technology expert. He provides strategic learning, marketing, and content creation services to global companies, such as Google, Deloitte, ADP, Capital One, and Robert Half International. As a recognized expert in the field of learning and development, he routinely works with subject matter experts in technical fields to distill their expertise into training that meets organizational needs. I want to start with with a softball question here. You're an expert in instructional technology. Tell us about that.
1: Well, there's a lot of uh, elements of the world which have been digitized and technologized in, uh, in the last uh, 25 years or so. And education is a huge component of that. It's been very affected, as everyone who's uh, on the other end of COVID here can recognize. In the corporate world, uh, corporate training has, has been transformed in the last especially 15 to 20 years with uh, putting training online. So the internal admissions and records department that keeps track of things like you would for any school um, is actually mandated by law for Uh, companies above a certain size, to be able to maintain records for compliance purposes, to be able to say, oh yes, this person took their harassment prevention training and their customer information security training and all those things that everyone has to take. And you usually just click next. Um, I'm one of the people that helps make it uh, less painful to get through all of that horrible training that nobody likes and that makes sure that the machines are talking well to be able to um, keep track of those things appropriately.
0: It's funny. I'm, a, I'm a, a child of the 80s, so I've seen lots and lots of changes in technology. And I remember my first computer right before college. My, my mother taught in a computer lab at a, at a local university here in Texas and I had a K-Pro2.
1: Nice. And
0: and then I got into college, and then I I got one of the first. It was the Mac Classic I had in college, and I I actually worked in uh, information technology on campus, and I remember wiring a network for a Macintosh, and it was in a professor's office. I plugged it in. I went back to the IT group. And they said, "Okay, we'll take it from here." And I'm thinking, "Wait, wait, wait how does that work? How is that so simple with a Mac? The Jews plug it in and it goes."
1: The magic of Apple Talk. Yeah, oh. um, my my mom as well had uh, a CPM machine. A whole four megabytes of memory. It was incredible. That was in our uh, in our house uh, in 1980. Um, my first computer was an Apple II GS, uh, which was color. That was a big deal um but yeah i've been involved in technology i think you know from a very early age just not scared to get in and uh and figure out how things work that's been a tremendous advantage in my career in um instructional technology because there's there's the way that people tell you things work especially like going through like a Um, IT kind of training or things that you would do in a school or a certificate program. And then there's the way that things actually work. Um, Because I'm largely self-taught with all that technology, I know not only how things are supposed to work um, the right way, but also how they really work and how to kind of hack around the edges, which is a very important skill for um, being able to create a robust training program, Uh, first off, so that things work well. And secondly, so other people can't hack around the edges. Um, and that's that's something that, um, that I've always been very interested in.
0: Well, I took a look at your resume before we spoke a couple of weeks ago, and I see some very big hitters out there as far as corporations in uh, internet technology and video technology, global corporations, YouTube, and, and Google, to name a few. What are the sorts of cases and the challenges uh, those lawsuits have and what you're asked to come in uh, and be an expert on? And ultimately, what are you doing in the courtroom as far as really probably being the teacher and teaching what this is to jurors?
1: Yeah, it it was quite a surprise to me, but it seems like a, a perfect fit um, because what YouTube brought me in to do as a consultant in 2015. I continued working through them with them through 2016, um, was to take what was a very complicated subject uh, with very technical people trying to teach a, a kind of a more layman's audience how to use a back-end tool set. Um, so all the Google Geeks get together and it makes all sorts of sense to them, but it doesn't make sense to anybody else. So I was brought in to help um help craft the beginning kind of middle and end the concepts the details create a whole training experience so that people would have mastery over these tools because there's consequences when you don't do it right and um and so that skill of being able to explain things being able to dive totally into the technical details and all the weeds and then come up and say oh here's what you need to know That turns out to be a very useful skill in terms of being an expert witness. Um, I actually haven't had the opportunity to do that in the courtroom uh, because uh, all of the engagements I've been a part of have all settled uh, previous to that state. So I've been prepped for deposition and things like that, but I I haven't actually had the opportunity yet to be in the courtroom. Um, And uh, I think that's in part because if you can explain things well enough uh, earlier on, it makes it, easier to assess um, what that settlement might look like.
0: It's interesting you say that about the work that you were hired in. You know, you were you were brought in to explain something. And one of the things that for me was a light bulb with things like Google and YouTube, probably in the, the mid 2000s, late 2000s is, for me, a light bulb went off when I figured out that I could go to either one of these places and say, how do I do this? Yes. Uh, what is the best model of you know car that I could drive to do this? Um, uh, video uh, showing me how to clean my barbecue. It, yeah. that was the the essence to me and the beauty of these online uh, tools. It's it's just incredible. So it's interesting to see how you were brought in to do effectively what users of these platforms want out of it, but you were doing that internally. So interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, back to the corporate education piece, you know, there's a lot of information like to clean your barbecue in that example, you can look that up on Google, the most popular website in the world or YouTube, the second most popular website in the world for exactly those reasons. But if you want to look up like, um, how is it that I get a promotion in my job? That's not, you can find some general information maybe on YouTube, but you're not gonna find anything that's specific to your company. What policies, what are the, uh, what are the procedures I need to go through? How is it that, that I can make sure that I'm performing well, like on my mid-year review and all those kinds of things. So, um, so for people who need to cover that kind of compliance floor of, Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm not going to get the organization in trouble. I'm gonna. I'm gonna click through the thing and and say that you know I know how to do the, the customer information security or whatever. But also for people who really want to do their job better, um, that that corporate, um, it, corporate version of YouTube or that corporate version of Google is really important to how businesses function. And uh, and so yeah, for me to be able to go to youtube and develop that function that was internal to youtube for things that they don't publicly display um yeah my first thought was oh i'll make all these training videos and we'll post them on youtube and it turned out we actually couldn't do that because then everybody could see them and there's a lot of legitimate cases where you don't want to do that uh, for for your competition to see or for um uh, for just things that don't present as well in a, in a public relations sense um, might open up some risk in terms of liability. You know, um, there's a lot of reasons why it's, it's important to have that information transmitted well. And, uh, and to have people not only be exposed to it for the compliance purposes, but really master it so that they can do what they do better.
0: So Sam, why don't you walk us through your area of expertise with say video production and platforms and maybe a little bit on training design and and delivery?
1: Sure. Um, so my background is uh, uh, not exactly the most direct route for uh, for people to follow, but it's it's been a fun ride um, i started off uh, really as a as a musician and a performer. Um, I studied video production in school. I ended up getting involved in a, um, a startup uh, music production company and um, and a commercial music production studio. I've always been involved in, um, in and around the music industry and, uh, and a lot of the the legal outgrowths of that working with composers and, and musicians and such. Um, and I happened to get into instructional technology um, after kind of burning out on a job in the music business. And um, and eventually um, just wound my way into more and more of that work. Pretty much anything to do with learning and development with uh, instructional technology I have experience in um, from um, from the low all the way to the high level, including, um teaching people at youtube how to make video instructional video teaching people um, at uh, at companies all over the country and around the world in fact uh, how it is that they can create good instructional video from the scripting to the, the capture of the audio to the lighting and put that all together in a way that helps construct the experience that people need from a compliance perspective and that really helps them understand and do their jobs better.
0: Tell us a little bit about the athletic playground.
1: (laughs) How'd that get in there?
0: I read your resume.
1: (laughs) Um, The athletic playground was uh, a place where I I have a bunch of uh, circus friends um, from being a, a musical performer myself that, uh, that were really into acrobatics and clowns and all sorts of really physically athletic things. The athletic playground is, uh, is a little gym in, uh, near Oakland, California that, uh, that I learned to be an acrobat. And, uh, and an aerialist, you know, all that parkour stuff you see at the beginning of James Bond movies and all that, where they're running across rooftops. I learned to do that, not actually on rooftops, but like the Nerf version of that, uh, which was way fun. Um, I, to that point in my life, I had not been a very physical person. So I had a fantastic time um, at the athletic playground. And, uh, and as it turns out, uh, have received some uh, some questions in, uh, in the expert witness realm about uh, training programs and training platforms. That's not like the instructional design kind of training, but that's actually physical training, circuit training, um, that I was able to uh, provide valuable information on, having had that experience.
0: Well, I was gonna ask, uh, do, do uh your friends who probably participate in that ever end up on American Ninja Warrior? But oh, I'll yeah. hold that question for a different time. Give us a little uh uh background on uh with your career, with marketing, with social media, just with training in general.
1: So um as a as a uh performer, uh writer, musician, um Producer of stage shows and and um, and music acts and things like that, um, marketing comes with the gig, and uh, and so I've had a lot of uh, opportunities to practice that. Uh, I'm definitely of the Seth Godin school. Have been through his whole alt MBA program, and that perspective actually really helps inform so much of life uh, and so much of the instructional design work that I do, where with training, people want to come generally from a content perspective and say, here's the things that you need to know. But the emphasis is on the things and not on the you. So coming from um, that kind of Marketing bent or, or the performance bent of serving the audience serving the people that are here today that have something that they came in the door with and that want something from this experience, being able to meet people where they're at uh, with um, say a training video uh, being able to target that really well to what it is that they can internalize and that they can understand and and recognize themselves in is what separates effective training from the training you just want to click and get through as fast as possible
0: okay so now the expert work what do you enjoy about being an expert witness
1: well i I really like working on interesting things with uh, with smart people and uh, and so far every one of my expert witnesses experiences has uh, has lived up to that um, being able to um, i think speak to some of that semantic nuance to simplify things in a way that allows people to better better craft arguments to argue about what's What's substantial what what is substantive in this case, as opposed to just getting caught in the details that really don't matter um, that's really interesting to me and uh, and I have developed a fair amount of expertise in a kind of bizarre array of things, but uh, specifically there's uh, there's a few things that um, seem to be more in demand or maybe m- widely misunderstood that i can I can help make sense where People aren't making sense just yet. Um, also, from a from like a legislative perspective, legislation always follows innovation. Um, I'm tend to be more in the innovative camp myself, but um, but what does that look like? How does that become legal? How does it become permissible? It happens through court. It happens when when these. Uh, You know, there's not a bright line distinction between what is okay and what isn't Um, that really gets established and getting to participate in that process through the courts is something that I just find exciting.
0: Okay, so you've talked a little bit about your work with YouTube, uh, but do you have some examples of successful cases you've worked on um, and maybe some good desirable outcomes?
1: sure um well when it comes to youtube uh like so many things on the internet there's a lot of disagreement there's a lot of arguments that happen the things that tend to surface into litigations are the things that involve money uh generally lots of it where it either wasn't um it wasn't collected in a way that people agree about or it wasn't distributed in a way that people agree about and so um my expertise around the monetization and, and the content ID tool specifically within YouTube um, has helped that, I think, come to light a bit better. Um, and in terms of successful outcomes, um, I consider the the cases that are settling before they reach a court of law um, to be successes. This is when people are are agreeing about what the value of this content is, and how that should be distributed, those funds being being gathered or or distributed. Um, once people agree about that, um, I feel really good about having contributed to that process. Thank you to Sam Rogers for
0: speaking with us today, and a special thanks to our listeners. At IMS, we're trusted to deliver consulting services to the most influential global law firms early with pre-suit and investigation services, then in litigation during discovery, arbitration, and trial. It's been our privilege to serve our clients on more than 20,000 cases and over 2,000 trials. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and join us next time for the IMS Insights Podcast.